Welcome to Most Popular. I'm Adrienne Trierbenik. My guest today is Dr. Samita Nandi. Samita is an author, she's a cultural critic, and she's a critic of fame. Her doctorate degree is in celebrity culture from the Department of Media and Information at Kirtland University in Australia. She has been awarded, get this, around $140,000 for her research in fame, history of stardom, celebrity activism. And she is the producer and director of the Center for Media and Celebrity Studies. Um, She's been publicized in media. She's been on the CBC, Vice, Flair, uh, 24 Hours, Yahoo Entertainment, so many more. And she um, has, has published in the journal Celebrity Studies as well as a number of book chapters. Samita and I recorded this before most places went into lockdown for the coronavirus, Um, so keep that in mind as you listen. This is probably one of the favorite, my favorite discussions I've had so far in terms of pop culture, how pop pop culture actually relates to our daily life, how it makes its way into our lives, whether we like it or not. Uh, I really enjoyed talking with Samita. After we're done, if you want to learn more about her, you can find her at samitanandy.com. That's S-A-M-I-T-A-N-A-N-D-Y.com. You can also find her on Instagram. She is at fame period critic. That's at sign F-A-M-E period C-R-I-T-I-C. I hope you really enjoy this conversation. I really loved speaking with Samita. Hi, Samita. Welcome to Most Popular. Hi, Adrian. Thank you so much for welcoming me. So I'm really excited to talk to you about celebrity studies. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, because um, this is sort of my my area in many ways. I've published a lot in pop culture. So I like talking to other people that have this area of expertise because it feels like this little club that we're all sort of a part of and we speak the same language. So um Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. And um, in all my writings and my talks, I always say that whether we are celebrities or not, whether we are fans or not, most of us exist in celebrity culture, especially if we are in urban centers. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a widespread phenomena, and uh, I'm glad we're talking about this. That is so true. I feel like I've said that, not as well as you have, but I feel like I've said that a lot, that whether you like it or not, this is a part of our lives and it impacts so many people in ways that maybe they're not even aware of, but it it just does, you know, it's just a part of who we are and the way that celebrity makes its way into our life. Yes, yes. And I often find that as much as tabloid journalism covers celebrities and now we have a strong interest in academia as well, um, especially in journalism, there's still a limited understanding of celebrities. So I am very fortunate to be a part of um, celebrity studies and to contribute my views along with many other scholars like you and widening the understanding of celebrities for our students and fans because I think there's a limited understanding of you know who celebrities are and you know um, and I think there's a there's a need to restore the human talent um, their arts uh, mm. for 
ethics, like Leo Tolstoy would say, you know, mm-hmm. like art for the sake of ethics, not just art for the sake of art. So I think that's very important. So I'm I'm really glad, you know, we have the space to talk about celebrities and, and fans and how celebrities impact fans. That's a great transition into the first thing I wanted to talk about. Can you define what celebrity studies is and how the field how the field is defined? Yeah. Um, well, basically, celebrity studies is it's an interdisciplinary field and it's a part of cultural studies. And um, and when I started off, um, I started off with semiotic approaches and um, we usually see the celebrity as a set of signs. So it's highly symbolic and, and celebrity culture as a whole, it's very rich with symbols and uh, very, it's very rich textually and visually. Um, it's all also very important to look at the structures of production and not just limit ourselves to discourse analysis. So, so that's very important, uh, especially to understand the economic and political impacts that celebrities may have. So I think it's important to look at the modes of production as well. So just to go back to your question, it's highly interdisciplinary. Um, we use different approaches. Um, like um, if you wanted to look at the political economy of fame, you could take a Marxist approach as well. So, so I would highly recommend all students and fans to read the Celebrity Studies Journal. Um, and it's a Rutledge journal. It comes from uh, Taylor and Francis. And um, a huge volume of work has been produced there and also by their conferences. And um, my research center, the Center for Media and Celebrity Studies, also hosts a number of conferences. And, uh, and we have an associate press. It's Waterhill Publishing. And uh, we have also published a number of uh, edited collections. And we have special journal issues uh, coming up with intellect books. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a growing field. So I would highly recommend everybody to you know, to turn to those sources. And it's, it's very exciting the way it's developing. Thank you for those, for those resources. I'll link to them on the website um, too. I'll give a few citations for it. Um, When you say celebrity culture and you say rich in symbols, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? So um, if you look at the signs of fame, they are usually like close-up shots or Mm -hmm. red carpets or, um, caught unaware, you know, paparazzi shots. Mm-hmm. So the expressions of fame, they take place through signs. So that's why I'm saying it's highly symbolic and they're read against each other. So if we consider a celebrity as a text, and I'm just going to draw on scholars like Chris Rojek and uh, Dyer, and of course, uh, Sean Redmond and David Marshall, um, the celebrity is, in terms of cultural studies, it's a text, so it's a set of signs, and and we read these signs against each other, so they're intertextually read. So that's why it's so important to have a context-based understanding of fame, because they're all produced, distributed, and received in specific so- socio 
political and economic context. So even when fans, you know, like they read these texts closely um, with the help of, you know, the right sources, of course, um, I mean, they also situate themselves and their readings in their particular context. So, and, and that field of, you know, audience, you know, studies have gone so huge that, I mean, there's a whole field of fan studies right now. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, yeah, and, you know, the pleasures of identification and, you know, how, you know, we form our, we form our identities in relation to celebrities a lot of times. So, so that's a whole different (laughs) field growing right now. Um, But just going back to celebrity studies, one can trace historical roots of celebrity culture in the Egyptian, Greek and Roman era. So I'm very fascinated about that too, like just to sort of, you know, trace the historical roots um, to a time when hero worship was prevalent Hmm. and, what happened with the industrial revolution and rise of mass communication, fame has had a pervasive presence in how fans engage in pleasures and identification in how they develop parasocial relations with celebrities. So I think this term is very important, parasocial relationship. Um, and it's a pseudo relationship really, um, mm-hmm. which, which appears to be so real. And, and also the ways in which artists understand the production and representation of their own talent in popular culture. I think, I mean, the whole historical study of celebrity culture and the contemporary study of it is important for fans because um, it's a very difficult industry to be in, you know, so, and, and to participate in it, even as, you know, fans. So I think this field of study is very, very important. Um, and there's so many forms of discrimination as well. And But most people just jump to, you know, glamour and how fame carries splendor and allure and sexual appeal. And, yeah. and uh, we're often troubled by the questions of authenticity that come with it. And that can be partially fulfilled only when it remains to be an illusion, so that's how um, that's how fame is developed. It's really a media construction. So all these texts I'm talking about, the combination of symbols of you know, paparazzi and close-up shots and everything, I mean, it's really a media construction. And media, without media representation, a celebrity does not exist. So this is something people need to understand. I don't want to take away the human factor from the celebrity. Um, and that's why I go back to modes of production. And, and personally, like as an artist myself, I've been integrating a lot of acting styles within my own modeling and my own interviews. Um, it's very important to know the person behind the celebrity and the whole process of um, production as well. So, um while we define what a celebrity is, we also need to understand what fame is, which is a set of practices and process, processes. And, and uh, it's, really, it's really this complex interplay of media, government, fans, and businesses. Mm-hmm. Can you branch off of that a little bit? Because you've mentioned modes of production a few times, and I think most people aren't going to know what that means, but how do you explain how modes of production fit with 
celebrity culture with fame? So, um, especially if um, students and fans, they read Richard Dyer's work, um, like um, Stars or Heavenly Bodies. Mm -hmm. These are some of his classical works. I mean, they're going to find that um, celebrity really has its origins. I mean, the contemporary celebrity, uh, not just, you know, the historical ones. Uh, The contemporary celebrity has its origin in the film in the film industry. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the modes of production would come from there, like um, how the studio system worked back then. Um, the studio system, the agencies, the publicists, how they all worked together. So I think on an industrial level, it's very important to know like how all these structures operate. So just loosely, that's what I really refer to. Yeah. Um. I think that maybe a good a good transition here is to apply what you just talked about to some contemporary stuff. So we saw a lot of talk around the Oscars this year with um, the lack of diversity of folks nominated, and then also yeah. this happened at the Grammys. This is pretty a t- pretty much a typical uh, conversation around award shows. People point out how limited. Uh, opportunities there are for people of color um, or for women in categories that aren't just female-centered, you know, like album of the year or um, song of the year at the Grammys are good examples of that. Um, How does all of the stuff that you're talking about fit with those types of examples? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, so when I talk about the person behind the celebrity, I would often refer to like, you know, an actor or, or an athlete. And, you know, I find, I mean, if we just specifically focus on actors um, or even like any, you know, performance artist, like a singer, mm-hmm. uh, they are very good activists and they give a voice. So I have been often asked, like, why are actors good activists, you know, or any performance artist for that matter? And it's the resilience with which they act. They give a voice um, and they, you know, basically they portray um, different you know, representations, representation matters, uh, diversity matters. So they do that. It's just that in the industry, you know, like uh, there's a lot of discrimination at the same time. So while, you know, actors uh, and other performance artists or athletes are very well equipped to basically portray different roles and offer a diverse, you know, human representation of the stories that they're telling, the characters that they're portraying. Uh, At the same time, the industry is very um, dominant with its biases. So that's why um, the actors um, or, you know, the other performance artists, I mean, they're in a very strong position to give a voice. And I'm very proud that, you know, they are becoming uh, celebrity activists and giving a voice to human rights, animal rights, environmental issues. Um, So I see a lot of progress. Uh, There's a lot of work to be done, but I see a lot of progress. Yeah, I saw um, Joaquin Phoenix's BAFTA acceptance, the British Academy Awards, where he talked about, um, basically talked about white privilege and was saying that he's standing there as a product of that and that he hasn't done enough to um, 
bring forth people of color in the industry and and provide opportunity. And he was talking, he did a lot of self-reflection in his speech where he said, I'm basically, he said, I'm part of the problem. And I thought that was really kind of brave for somebody to stand up and say that, although at the same time he was accepting an award and had the acclamation of his peers. Um, But I thought that was an important thing for him to do. Yes, yes. I think it takes a lot of uh, vulnerability and takes a lot of courage to just look back and, and just to recognize the system that you're part of. I mean, I, I recognize him as a very ethical and diverse individual. I mean, but at the same time, he's also pointing out the structures of operation that he is a part of. And many of us are victims of that, too. You know, and we just don't know that what we're really supporting. So what I would say a lot of times, you know, like we look up to celebrity activists, and I think they're great role models. Um, I would definitely say that. But at the same time, we shouldn't shift our ethical responsibilities just to celebrity activists. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're they're doing their part, and I think uh, it's very important what they're doing. Um, and to be so self-reflective, you know, I mean, that's something that we all could do. So. You know, even with my own productions and my own um, shorts that I do, the music videos that I'm planning, the modeling that I'm doing, I mean, it's really it's really about representation. And like I said, representation matters. And I think when it comes to social change, every person has the capacity to be a living example of change. And it would be great if, you know, Hollywood or Bollywood, you know, really, you know, considers this more and more. But I think each one of us has the capacity to use our arts for the sake of ethics and and do whatever we can. Um but just to go back to Walkin Phoenix's speech, yeah, it was just like fantastic what he said at the Oscars. And he's really speaking on a collective level. He's very intersectional. Uh, he looks at different causes and he looks at commonality, which is fantastic. Yeah, and I, I do appreciate when they use that moment, that platform for something other than thanking their families, which is important, but, you know, some other yeah. greater good um, while you were speaking, I was thinking about Oprah announcing Time's Up at the Golden Globes and how much of a uh, impact that had. Um, can you talk a little bit about your organization your, that you have and that you run and what you do and what it's about? Yeah, yeah, sure. So so I run the Center for Media and Slavery Studies. It's a media organization that facilitates academic research and media commentaries on fame. We are particularly interested in slavery activism for human rights, animal rights, and environmental sustainability, especially you know at a time when you know climate change is so important. So we have hosted over nine international conferences, seminars, and media interviews for over thirty four hundred members that we have right now, and we have. We have many, many presentations on these topics um, in celebrity culture, but the most important thing for me is to offer a safe space and, you know, to enable, to motivate, to activate everybody to speak on issues that they find important in celebrity culture. 
And um, it was necessary for me to do this because I was a journalist <laughs> and, um, and I was a documentary filmmaker. So, so, I, so I sort of have firsthand experience in the industry. And um, I offered many interviews, you know, in spaces where celebrities would also speak. And I found it was necessary to bridge gaps between journalism and celebrity studies and, and studies of popular culture as a whole. Because the problem that I found was journalists don't necessarily consider informed opinions of academics all the time, especially like, you know, when they talk about rumors and scandals mm-hmm. and gossip, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's supposed to integrate society on moral grounds, you know, but ironically, I mean, they use slippery bashing and, you know, it's really turning celebrities into objects of consumption. So that troubled me. So I felt it's very important to consider informed opinions of academics. I really wanted to give a voice to, to academics who are studying celebrities. And at the same time, I wanted to inspire celebrity studies scholars and and wider scholars to consider journalistic data and also um, give more and more interviews or get involved in production. So, So we have a lot of media trainings for that. And I just put a book together based on my media workshops. It's bec- it's called Becoming Media Critics. So that has a lot of information on how to use persona branding, how to reach out to journalists, uh, how to write op-eds, how to give a voice basically in a safe space. So that's what my organization does. And, and I'm really proud of our board members. And we actually have a celebrity activist. Many people ask um, if we have celebrities, you know, coming to our conference. We have well-known journalists coming. And we also have a celebrity activist on board. Her name is Anita Crank, and she has been widely covered on the BBC Global News, CTV, um, worldwide, uh, for her activism for the animals uh, and climate change, of course. So, and it's very interesting, very powerful story that she has, how she bonded with Walking Phoenix at one of her vigils in LA. So that's something I cover in my book as well. And so I think it's, we're in a very good time, you know, where we could actually work with celebrity activists or be a part of celebrity activism and give a voice in a safe space. And that's what I emphasize through my organization. And again, very proud of my board members and all the members that we have. They're doing fantastic work. Yeah, I'm sure you are. You know, the the more that I study this stuff, the more that I find myself teaching media literacy in my classes, either whether it fits or not, usually with whatever we're doing, I try and find a way to make it work its way in. Um, because it just, it seems like it's one of the most pressing issues we have right now that we're not talking about as much as we should, or not kind of ringing the bell that, Hey, we need to be able to understand where our news comes from and who's produced or who's, you know, posting what, where, and how does that affect us? And how do the Instagram influencers actually influence us in ways that we're not aware of or maybe aren't completely clear on? Where is all of that information coming from? It seems like it's more and more pressing 
And perhaps this is because I'm an American and we're in an election year and there's all sorts of crazy stuff floating <laughs> around in our media. Um, but it, it it feels like it's becoming more and more important as information becomes more and more accessible and easy to get to and, you know, just a part of our lives, whether we like it or not. Yes, yes, yes. So and and really giving that space to become a living example of change and to be informed, you know, and yeah. I did. I did an interview with an Oscar voting member uh, who who is known for his work in Italy, in Bollywood, in Hollywood as well. His name is Kabir Bedi, and he is a very good activist. And um, he spoke of he spoke about journalism and uh, what journalism needs um, and to consider the power of storytelling and not just to produce, you know, more and more journalists, but actually enable them to become good storytellers and agents of change. So I have that interview um, posted on my website and I would highly recommend everybody to read that because as a celebrity activist, who has worked widely with so many actors and activists and industry members. Um, he comes from a position of experience. Mm-hmm. His name is Javier Bedi, and um, I, I'll share the link. You could, you know, put it in the production notes of yours. Um, he has, you know, extensive um, detail on, you know, like how to bridge gaps and what journalism schools should be doing and and how we can become agents of change. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Yes, I would definitely, definitely link to it. Um, thank you so much for talking with me. This has been such a learning experience for myself. So I just cannot thank you enough. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'm looking forward to your next episodes. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Once again, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Samita Nandi. Uh, If you want to find out more about her, you can look at her website, samitanandi.com. You can also head to my website, which is mostpopularpod.com. I'm also on Instagram at mostpopular. Thanks. Bye.